If you have a Bible this morning, one open to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look there. You know, every Christmas I ask myself this question. I, I bet many of you do too. What am I going to get this year that I don't need? What, what might I get this year that I can't use? Or What am I going to get that I would just love to pass on next year to someone else? I mean, most of us, if we're honest, we've re-gifted something to someone else in our life. I, I told you last week I've done it. And most of you have, I'm sure. We're in this series, Re-Gifted. And one of the things that we're learning is, as we look at this Christmas story, there are some things that are worth re-gifting. Because the gift is just too good to keep to ourselves. Did you ever have a security blanket? When we were kids, most of us had what psychologists call a comfort object. It could have been a blanket or a stuffed animal or something that we held on to and made us feel safe and secure. Psychologists tell us those comfort objects are important because they bring children peace of mind, especially if the home environment is not ideal. It gives them a sense of peace, that they're safe, that life is going to be okay. And you know, I look at our world today and I see the uncertainty and the unrest, and I think a lot of us could probably use a security blanket. Because everywhere we look, we don't see peace. We see unrest. We see worry. Like our world is under a continuous panic attack. I mean, we're worried. People are worried about finances. People that have jobs are worried, am I going to keep it? People without jobs are worried, will I ever find one? People are worried about families. Divorce is still an epidemic problem in our world. More kids live in blended families today than ever before in history. People are worried about the future. I think for the first time, most parents believe they're better off than their children will be. And their kids believe them. But in the midst of all this, we encounter this beautiful story called Christmas. And the account we're going to read today out of the Gospel of Luke, it, it, it's actually the scripture we read last week, but I, but I want to look at it a bit different today. I mean, the story is probably the best known, most often read, most repeated story in Scripture. And like it or not, it's the one story that retailers all over the world enjoy. Because honestly, this is the season they do their best business, right? <laughs> but in the middle of this beautiful story, we read a great Christmas promise. Should be music to our ears. And yet sometimes it's difficult to believe. Look with me, Luke 2, starting with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. 
See, not only have we heard this story many times, we've, we've seen it played out in nativity scenes and theater productions and Christmas carols everywhere. And it's what follows next that is priceless, but also a bit puzzling. Verse 13, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God. This angel is, is now joined by a heavenly choir, and they sing the very first Christmas carol in history. And, and if we had been there to hear it, it would have been like nothing we'd ever heard or seen. Because this just wasn't coming from a Bose. This was coming from a cosmic stereo. And the very first Christmas carol carried an unbelievable promise. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. That, that first part, glory to God, that, that part is easy to accept. It's the peace on earth that's a bit difficult to swallow. Everything in the story adds up until that word peace pops up. Christ was supposed to bring peace. But, but look around at our world today and answer the question, where is it? Peace? It's not in the Middle East. It's not in Afghanistan. It's not in Sudan. It's not on Wall Street. It's definitely not in Washington. It's not even in a lot of our American neighborhoods. It's not in a lot of homes or hearts. And yet this promise is unconditional. When Jesus came, he came to bring peace on earth. And since we know that God has never made a promise that he hasn't kept, and we know that God never tells a lie, then maybe we have to understand what he means by peace. And we get this clue into two things that this little baby grew up and said about peace himself. See, Jesus was about to go to the cross and die, and he makes out his last will and testament, and he put everyone who would believe in him in his will. And you know what he left? It was his peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, there is a different kind of peace than what the world gives and what the world understands. It's not human peace. It's heavenly peace. It's not diplomatic peace. It's divine peace. It's not external peace. It's internal peace. And maybe you're thinking right now, I, I don't care what it is. I just, I just want to know where to find it. See, thir 33 years after his birth, Jesus grows into this man and he tells us th this other statement we find in the Gospel of John. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The same thing that those angels told the shepherds is the same thing that little baby is telling us. Peace is not found in a place. It's found in a person, in Jesus. Because you see, when Christ is the centerpiece of our life, peace will be at the center of our life.
When we are in Christ and he is in us, we have peace, the kind of peace that only God can give. There are actually three kinds of peace that we can have that we need for three different things we face. See, for our sin, we have peace with God. Go back and look at how the angel introduced the baby that would bring peace. He said, today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I don't think it's any coincidence the first title he gave was Savior. See, if it were me introducing Jesus, I would have put that last. I would have said something like, unto you is born in the city of David the Lord, who is Christ the Savior. Why? Well, he's the Savior only for those who believe. He's Christ, the the Messiah, only for the Jews who are looking for him. But he is Lord over everyone. So why did the angel introduce him first as Savior? Well, consider how we normally think of the word peace. When we say it's peace, what do we think? It's the opposite of war, right? Peace is what we have when war is over. And ever since the Garden of Eden, the human race has been at war with God. And we needed someone that would come and make peace between us because we're sinners and God because he is holy. In the Old Testament, the word Savior, it describes a deliverer from someone's enemy. And really, the greatest enemy we have on earth is sin. And the reason sin is the greatest enemy is because Sin is what makes us enemies with God. Paul said in Romans 5, verse 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his own son. See, the good news of Christmas is war is over. The hostilities have ceased and Jesus has conquered our sin. And once we surrender our lives to him, we have peace with God. Uh, Paul says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what the world doesn't understand is that's where peace starts and ends and comes from. Thomas Merton summed it up this way, Man is not at peace with fellow man because he's not at peace with himself. And he's not at peace with himself because he is not at peace with God. It's the message of Christmas because that baby was born in the manger 2,000 years ago for our sin. We can have peace with God. Second, for our stress, we have the peace of God. I mean, the war is over, but there are still battles to fight. Uh, The Battle of New Orleans, one of the most famous in military history. January 8th, 1815, Andrew Jackson's 5,000 American soldiers won a victory over 7,500 British soldiers. The British had more than 2,000 casualties. The Americans had 66. But the tragedy of it all, it was unnecessary. Because what neither general knew was the war was already over. On December 24th, 1814, two weeks earlier, a treaty ending the war was signed. However, news of the treaty didn't arrive in the U.S. until two weeks later. 
Sadly, that war could have been avoided. That battle could have been avoided. Even though the war was over in December, for another month there were still casualties, injuries, even death because battles were still being fought. That's the way life is though, isn't it? That's where there are a lot of people, maybe you're one of them, and you have a peace with God. That is, you've surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ and your sins are forgiven and you no longer walk at war with God. You have the peace with God, but you don't have the peace of God. And there are basically three things that rob us of that peace. Sometimes we have uncontrolled circumstances, right? Something like sickness or the death of a loved one or the loss of a job. And then there are unchangeable people. People that are just difficult to get along with. Right? Maybe you work with them. Maybe you live with them. Maybe you're married to them. And then there are the unexplainable problems. Those problems where life was just unfair and you got dealt a bad hand and you don't know why. That's when you need the peace of God. And it's that calmness of spirit that you can have on the inside, even when there is tremendous stress on the outside. Last week we talked about joy. And I remind you that the only thing that robs you of your joy is sin. The only thing that robs you of peace is anxiety and worry. Go, go back to what Jesus told us. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Not you might. You will. You are going to have trouble. You are going to face storms. You will have stress. But then he said, in me, you have peace. And what robs us of that peace is when we begin to put all of our focus on the problems and the pressures and the people and we forget about God. When we focus on Jesus and we remember who he is with us and we remember there's nothing we can face that he cannot handle, we begin to have peace. Bruce McQuain got to go up into an airplane that flies into hurricanes. One of the coolest things he said he ever did. He said when you're flying through the hurricane, the plane is being tossed and flipped around and, and you had to stay strapped down to your seat or you'd break your neck as you're being thrown about in the plane. But he said the most amazing part is when you get into the eye of the storm and all around that plane were winds strong enough to knock skyscrapers over. But in the eye of the storm, there was complete calm. See, in every storm that you face, there is an eye of perfect peace. And that eye is Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Remember, what our world calls peace is not what God calls peace. The world thinks peace is just absence of conflict. But actually, peace is the presence of Jesus. Christmas brings peace with God. It brings the peace of God. And finally, for our strife, we have peace from God. 
the baby that was born 2,000 years ago, came into a world of misery and wickedness and war. And let's face it, peace is something not only we need on the inside, it's something we want on the outside. Right? Peace is something that is needed between nations just as badly as it is between neighbors. And that peace has not yet come. In the over 3,500 years of recorded civilization, there's only been about 280 years without war taking place somewhere on the planet. During that period of time, 8,000 peace treaties have been broken. Here in our country, in, in just over 240 years we've existed as a nation, we've been at war for about 215 of them. Pick any year since 1976, and there's a 91% chance the U.S. was at war with someone. And we've never gone a single decade without fighting a war somewhere. <laughs> someone wrote Washington as the largest assortment of peace monuments because we keep building one after every war. The, the United Nations, their charter reads as follows. Our purpose is to maintain international peace and security, and to that end, to take effective collective measures for the prevention and removal of threats to the peace. Can, can we ask them, how's that working out for you? Hmm. There, there's no area in our world that has been or will be more of a hotspot for war than the Middle East. I mean, you can read biblical history and secular history, and, and you can see the entire Middle East was a boiling point for fighting and violence and war ever since the beginning of recorded history. For the last 64 years, every president of the United States has spent time, money, and emotional energy trying to bring peace to that region of the world, and we're no closer today than we were back then. I read about a woman who rubbed a lamp and a genie popped out. And she said, oh, do I get three wishes? And he said, no, I'm a one-wish genie. What do you want? She said, well, do you see this map? I want all the countries in the Middle East to stop fighting and we can have world peace. And the genie said, lady, they've been at war for thousands of years. I'm not that good. What, what else do you want? She said, well, I would love a good man who's considerate, who loves kids and loves to cook and hates sports and enjoys house cleaning. And the genie with a sigh said, well, let me see that map again. See, we should never stop trying to make peace everywhere we can. But there will never be peace in the world until the Prince of Peace returns. See, if you really want to know what the last book of the Bible is about, it's this. One day for our strife, we will have peace with God. Swords will be beaten into plowshares. Spears beaten into fishhooks. Nations no longer lift up sword against nation. War is a thing of the past. <laughs> and Jesus returns. So as we talk about regifting, Jesus wants those of us who have experienced the peace with God, who have that peace of God, who, who know the peace from God, he wants us to re-gift that and to share it with someone else. I know because he told us. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. So can I get a little practical today? 
I, I want you to take someone a security blanket and, and be a peacemaker in their life. I, I want you to go and re-gift peace and take it to them. And let me give you three practical ways you can do that. To someone who is far from God. Why don't you go and share with them your testimony, your story. Share how you received peace with God and how they can have that peace with God. Or to someone who is afraid, who is worried, who is fearful. Go to them. Share with them how God has everything under control. How God works everything out for the good of those who love him. And share with them how you'll be there for them if they need you. Re-gift to them the peace of God. And finally, maybe in your own family, you're at war with someone. Or there's a friendship that's been fractured that needs to be repaired or a relationship broken that you need to restore. And maybe you can intervene or intercede and help family or friends or, or marriage find peace from God. See, even with all the problems and all the pressures and all the people that we have to deal with, that little baby was born 2,000 years ago so that we might have peace on earth. Is that what you desire? Peace? The peace that passes all understanding? The peace that begins by surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace? To Jesus. So if that's what you desire this morning, I, I invite you to come as we sing.